It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome back to Green and Growing. Thanks so much for being here early on a Saturday morning. Yeah, we're live. We're live at the WSB studios in Atlanta, Georgia. And you know, this second hour of the show is when I have a chance to have some fun, whether or not we stay in the gardening realm or step away from it. Talk to a celebrity gardener. So guess what? Colin Mockery, comedian, well-known for a lot of ventures in the UK, in Canada. Whose line is it anyway? And other things here in Georgia. Well, the United States, actually. Colin Mockery joins me. And we're going to do this on the fly. We haven't spoken before, but good morning. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? (laughs) So one thing I did have a chance to ask you, Colin. Ah, So gardening, what do you know about it? I uh, pretty much nothing. Uh, My my wife does uh, all the gardening. She's very good at it. I deal with uh, herbs because I do all the cooking. So, um, you know, I have a little uh, patch where I have my rosemary and thyme and uh, sage, that sort of thing. But that's it. Now, we can get on board with that. And I know you were just saying that you're watching the snow in Toronto. So, of course, it's chilly. It's cold up there. Do you find that you are able to keep rosemary through a freeze or does it just die off and you buy a new plant? (laughs) <laughs> it dies off hard. Right. What does the snow not kill? Okay, so word of the wise. I'm sure you saw us. <laughs> I don't know if we'd call it bragging rights or not. Back in about 2014, 2015, we had snowpocalypse, snowmageddon, whatever we wanted to refer to it, mm-hmm. when the ice storm shut down the city of Atlanta. I mean, people were walking for miles, leaving their car on the side of the interstate, and here you are dealing with snow, and you're so laid back and casual about it. Word of warning to us, sir, uh, we uh, ignorant Southerners, when it comes to cold weather, you got anything? Uh, dress warmly. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there is, I mean, there's certainly a difference between, um, you know, a major snowstorm and an ice storm. An ice storm is insane. Uh, and, it, I mean, literally, uh, there's been not so much lately, but we wake up, we go outside, and the house is covered with ice. Just keep a cheerful attitude and move somewhere warm. You know, it's amazing how far that can get you in life. And it seems to me, what I know about you, you've got a cheerful attitude. You're a funny guy. You make people laugh with ease. You're virtually coming to Atlanta tonight and then next Saturday as well, the 16th, the Cobb Energy Center putting on your show with Brad Sherwood, Stream of Consciousness. Tell us a little bit about how you guys had to get creative with this comedy show in the midst of a pandemic. We realized past 18 years has been us on planes and in theaters, and we quickly realized, you know what, this may be the last part of Bastions of anything to get back um, on track. So um, our tech people, who are great, using a technology I do not understand at all, have... <laughs> I'm in Toronto. Brad is in Vegas. It looks like we're in the same room. We can actually go to people's uh, houses through Zoom and talk to them, get uh, information for them for uh, um, improv. We can have them in scenes. So we um, have, came up with a show. It, and it's been, it's been fun. It, I mean, it's different in that we don't hear audience response, you know, which Brad is totally used to. But it really throws me a little. <laughs> um, it's been fun actually being able to do something. Yeah, and it feels like you're probably going to settle right in because at least you do get some level of audience interaction if you're able to pick on someone through their, you know, Zoom camera into their living room and kind of bring them into the skit, so to speak. That is really cool. Yeah, it is cool. We've had uh, people do, uh, I've been doing love scenes with um, some. (laughs) As their husband sits right there on the couch. Yeah. All right, PassportShows.com, and it's not too late to buy tickets, though the show is tonight, January 9th, 
and next Saturday as well, all put on through the Cobb Energy Center. So go to PassportShows.com. So I did a little bit of research on you, Colin Mockery, because you are Canada's golden child. That's what I think you oh, are. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think so? Yeah. Oh, sure. I think they're going to put me on the $5 bill soon. Hey, who are you knocking off? I don't even know who's on there currently. Wilfred Laurier. Yeah, he'll be all right. Is he dead? Is he alive? We don't know. <laughs> dead. Long dead. Okay. All right. Yeah. See, Americans, we, we don't know. So being Canada's golden child, I did do some research, though, and at least to talk to you about the outdoors and kind of your upbringing, because it's fascinating. Your childhood was in Scotland. You've been in Quebec. You've been in New Zealand. What were some of the most amazing just beauties in nature that you remember seeing growing up traveling the world? In Scotland, Edinburgh is like one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I mean, it has a castle in the sitting in the middle of it. Wow. Uh, it, it it's just a beautiful city. And, um, well, I mean, Canada, uh, like America, has so many beautiful spots. Growing up in uh, Montreal, on the outskirts of Montreal, a lot of great country, a lot of skiing. Uh, in to, uh, Toronto, where I lived, an hour away, there's an amazing park called Algonquin Park, which is uh, beautiful. You know, you'll always, if you see someone in a canoe, it's usually at Algonquin Park. Hmm. Um, there's just a Banff is a, a great skiing area. Again, beautiful up in the mountains, crystal clear air and the sound of snow crackling under your feet and then off to the chalet for hot rum. <sighs> That's see, ah, don't you wish we could go there right now? That sounds nice. So I've been to Toronto, yeah. but all I did was see the, uh, the Blue Jays park. So that's not really the park I had in mind. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not one of the most natural places on earth. So talking about Montreal, too, do you speak French as well? No, oh. I barely speak English. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had, when I was uh, in school, they didn't really push French, which was weird because being in Montreal, you would think I would get some sort of education in that area. And it's one of those things I really wish I had learned. I have so much crap in my head right now. So much. <laughs> Just dump it out tonight on our Atlanta audience. Just dump it all out. <laughs> I will. Also, too, and, and this is creepy because I stalked you, but I saw that I don't know how, how young you were, maybe in grade school, you had talked briefly of an interest in marine biology. Is that true? That is true. So. My, um, that was my dream to become a marine biologist. I was a very quiet, very shy student. I was um, like an honor student. And then a friend dared me to try out for the school play. Um, I did, and I got my first laugh, and that was it. It was like, um, no, this is what I want now, forever. What was the name of the play, you remember? The Death and Life of Sneaky Fitch. <laughs> Not one of your classics. It was a Western musical comedy. Amazing. And then that's where your love for acting and drama came in, and comedy, too. I mean, comedy is, you know, a lot of us think so many of you are so multi-talented and multifaceted that you know, com comedians become actors and actors don't really do the comedian role very well. But I mean, how closely do you feel like the two, you know, work together for you and your personality? I mean, I thank God I found it. I mean, I just I always gravitated to comedy when I was a kid, just from what I watched, whether it was movies or sitcoms. But then I found I had a real facility with it. I've been incredibly fortunate to work with great people throughout my career, uh, which is great in improv because you need that. It always seems like comedians have a easier time acting. People think comedy is easy because everybody has a funny relative in the kitchen who's <laughs> doing parties, can tell stories. It, it's different in that area with friends and family to going in front of 100 people with different likes and dislikes who don't know you and make them laugh. It's 
a difficult life. That would be a challenge, but you've been blessed to have discovered that, made that your path. And like you said, you've worked with some talented characters. Just going back to whose line is it anyway? Drew Carey, of course, for years, and Ryan Stiles. I'm sure you you two are still close. And Wayne Brady. How much do you keep in touch with the cast? I can't believe it's been, gosh, it's been off the air since like 2013 or 14. That's insane. Well, it's actually back on the air. No. Now, are you, now most... are you revealing some unknown news to me? Are we breaking it first here well, on Green and Growing? <laughs> oddly, it is unknown, although we're just going into our seventh season huh. uh, on the CW. But for some reason, the CW doesn't like to publicize us because then people would watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but... right. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> because some diehard fans are, are watching. Yeah, we just got renewed for um, our well, our seventh season starts in January on some CW station near you, and we just got renewed for another season. So this show, it's its like The Walking Dead. You actually can't kill it. <laughs> and congratulations, then. I mean, I've probably seen that with Aisha Tyler, but I just figured it was old episodes. But you all have, you all are ageless. You look the same. Oh, nice save. Yeah, but, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, its it's been fun, and it's just, uh, you know, those guys are great. You know, Ryan and I grew up together. So, um, you know, we're always in touch. And also uh, with Wayne and uh, with uh, Greg Proof, all the guys are really close on the show. And we always keep in touch with each other. It's, it's really been a blessed uh, event. So I got to ask you then. I mean, I grew up watching that show, and I'm I'm not that young. I'm not trying to make you feel old, but uh, but I did. You seem very so, young. <laughs> oh, thanks. You're so sweet. What What was your favorite game on Who's Line? I mean, you had the hat. You had all kinds of different ways that the host makes you improv. But what was the favorite one and the least favorite? The one that you dreaded. You're like, oh, I don't want to be in that one. Oh uh, well, the least favorite, hands down, hoedown. Oh God, you're <laughs> right. But the pianist, Laura, something she was so talented. Oh, Laura is great, but even <laughs> she hated the Hoda. <laughs> we, no one liked it. We just despised oh, God. it. Okay, um, favorite. Uh, I would say consistently my favorite was always the greatest hits because it gave Brian and I a chance to sort of banter, goof around, and then hand off to the incredible uh, singers on the show, like uh, Wayne and Brad Sherwood and Chip Est and Jeff Davis. So we got, I got a a chance to be a, a spectator and a participant. So it was always, I always had fun in that game. You know, I got to say, just looking at Brad, you wouldn't know that voice could come out of him. And don't tell him I said that. I don't want to hurt his feelings. But he he is amazingly talented, of course, as, as are all of you. Yeah, he has an incredibly big head. And I, I think that sort of space really helps his voice sound good. <laughs> it must. It's like an echo chamber. All right, so yeah. I won't keep you too much longer. But talking to Brad, uh, Brad Sherwood, also Colin Mockery here, they've got Stream of Consciousness, a, a live version virtual show that the Cobb Energy Center putting on tonight at 8 p.m. Next Saturday, the 16th at 8 p.m. as well. He's doing it from Toronto. Brad's in Vegas. You're here in Atlanta, so that's pretty neat. And, you know, you just mentioned the elections, Colin, which were through those. Thank God. Um, But you have brushed shoulders with some folks in D.C. Tell us about some of your experiences and your invites there. Yeah, Brad and I did a a correspondence dinner uh, when President Bush was in, in power and it was i don't it's it's surreal uh, really we did the uh, show uh president bush opened with 10 minutes of stand-up he killed he just was uh so funny now are we and talking then, about hw the sun we're talking about the sun wow and, i mean granted he had a lot to work with cheney had shot someone <laughs> while hunting so he had a lot of it material. became a roast he did 10 minutes of stand-up on his own 
Yeah, that's, that's uh, the president would always do stand up at the Correspondence Center. And then Brad and I did some improv uh, ending with Carl Rove doing a rap. <laughs> and then the next day, they invited us to the White House. So we ended up at the Oval Office with the president and vice president for like 20 minutes. It was odd. My wife was with us, and as she walked in, she said, it just looks like uh, the TV show, The West Wing. West Wing, exactly. <laughs> it, it did. That's an awesome memory, and what an honor, too. Something that you never think, oh, a little Canadian improviser is going to end up in the White House. You just never know who's watching. You just don't. And here I am Googling you, so you'll probably get all kinds of alerts, you know, that... This weird chick in Atlanta, Georgia, has been caution, looking up. Caution, <laughs> Yes, right. Well, we are so glad you joined us this morning, early on a Saturday morning, just as funny and just as kind as I would have imagined. Colin Mockery, go see their show virtually from the comforts of your own home with Brad Sherwood, Stream of Consciousness. Good luck, knock them dead, and I'll be logging in for next Saturday's show, the 16th. Oh, thank you, Ashley. And watch out for aphids. <laughs> oh, yeah, bravo. Well done. You held on to that for, <laughs> for a long time. All right, well, coming up next, since Colin prompted me to do so, I'll tell you how to treat aphids on your houseplants. Those and more. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, Colin Mockery, thanks, man. Have a great time, and it was so good to catch up with you. Nice talking to you. Right back after this on Greeny Growing, and no, we're probably not going to talk aphids. 404-872-0750. So much fun with Colin Mockery. That was that was a lot of fun. So again, you can go to PassportShows.com or even CobbEnergyCenter.com. That'll tell you all about the virtual show, Colin and Brad's Stream of Consciousness. CobbEnergyCenter.com, but Center is spelled fancy. Center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. So if you don't spell it right, then you're not going to get to the website. But uh, what a fun virtual show. Like your family in your living room just watching these guys, man, they... They make us laugh for sure. So uh, what I've done on the Facebook page, when you go on Facebook, Green and Growing WSB is what you search. You uh, find my page there. I've shared the links. My gosh, we're only halfway through the show, and I've thrown websites at you left and right, I feel like. But I told you. I told you it was a full show today, and I'm, and I'm proud of the work that I've put into this show. So all the links are there for you to follow, whether it was JoeGardner.com, Urban Ag Council, um, to Colin Mockery's show. All the links are right there for you. Um, and more calls coming up, 404-872-0750. First, an update on the weekend weather. Mostly sunny skies, uh, decreasing clouds today. High of 43 today, high of 52. It's going to warm up a little bit tomorrow. Uh, Monday, a chance for scattered showers. High of 48 and low of 38 going from Monday into Tuesday, according to meteorologist Kirk Mellish. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. And I just want to ask Fred in Lawrenceville, David in California, y'all hang on. I'll talk to you in about 10 minutes. I want to talk about Victory Gardens. I would love to talk about blueberry bushes. So hang tight, but I got to do this. The the top three things to do if you do nothing else this weekend. Um, number one, you fertilize. Start thinking about that. Feeding your pansies and other winter annuals with a water-soluble plant food each time you water them. And also a liquid uh, root stimulator if it's something that you've transplanted, a tree or a shrub or something. This is the time of year to do that. You don't have to use root stimulator, but you can use that monthly for the first year they're in their new home. Um, and that'll just kind of help. You know, we really want to work on the root growth first. 
for something newly establishing or something transplanted, but it's in a new home, you want to work on the root growth and make sure that's strong before you start worrying about the nitrogen as a fertilizer and putting on the green and making it grow upright. Root growth is really important, so that needs to be your first focus. Uh, number two, it is necessary to prune grapevines every year. Those of you who have done it know that very well. Pruning should occur later in the dormant season before bud break. And the dormant season here in Georgia typically spans from about November to March, April. Postpone pruning until colder temperatures are um, are through. The threat of a frost and all of that is is done. Regardless of when pruning starts, the goal is just to be finished pruning all of those vines before bud break. And number three, Last week, I told you about protecting outdoor plants from freeze by sheltering them, gathering them together, just putting them in a place up against the house or the garden shed or whatever where they're shielded from the wind and the elements. But uh, frost cloth, that's something to think about. Have it already cut and set aside, rolled up in the garage, set on the garden bench, just ready to pull across the plants that you know to be tender to the cold weather. I mean, it's going to get down to 27 tonight. Um, So that's definitely a good time to be using the frost cloth. Once you put it over the plants, it can be left in place for several weeks That's frost cloth. Plastic, plastic is going to be different. Plastic and cardboard boxes, you're fine to use those to cover. Make sure it goes all the way down to the ground, though. Make sure whatever it is, the plastic or the box is actually touching the ground down around the plant, but you got to remove that the next day. That's not something that you really should keep on. So there is my advice to you. So coming up at 730, a lot of calls, 404 872-0750, David, Fred, and you. There's a space for you, so I'd love for you to call Green and Growing. We're here until 9 o'clock, and uh, coming up at 8, too. Once I finish taking calls between 7.30 and 8, I want I want to have a little fireside chat and just have you cozy up with your coffee and listen to my interview with a 15-year-old houseplant enthusiast. It's going to make you smile. It's going to make you happy at 8 o'clock. And who doesn't want to start off their Saturday that, Saturday that way? So stay tuned. I'm Ashley Frasca. This is Green and Growing on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Halfway through the show, here we are, 7.35 on a Saturday morning. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for listening to Green and Growing, and thanks for interacting with me, too, during the show. Um, You're leaving comments on the Facebook page on Green and Growing WSB. I'm on Twitter at Ashley Frasca WSB. Yeah. At Ashley Frasca WSB. Um, so I try to kind of share things as we go along uh, just to show you that I'm keeping up show notes more or less for the show. Uh, so 404-872-0750. This half hour, nothing but your calls, garden questions, garden resolutions. Something that you're going to try for the first time this year because it's a new year. you got your pen and paper ready. You've got your wish list from the nursery ready. Things you are going to accomplish this year or what you did last year but you're not so discouraged that if you failed at it last year, you're going to give it one more go around this year. So I will motivate you to do that. So I really appreciate how patient Fred in Lawrenceville has been. And now you're on the show. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? I'm glad you called. Just fine. Thank you. Good. Well, I've got an area in the back half of the yard that's kind of hidden with pine trees. So it's got a lot of pine needles and such that have been there for years. We just moved in a couple of years ago. And I want to put some blueberry bushes in. 
I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Um, the only thing, pine trees aren't going to be, you know, as shady as some of the other trees because they grow so tall, but that, that acidic soil's there, right? I mean, the pine trees are there. The blueberries love acidic soil. Anything that's on a scale up to like 5.2, 5.3 in that range, that soil's going to be really um, conducive to, to good blueberry growth. You just got to make sure you get sun for at least half the day. So is it kind of an area where the house isn't going to block as the sun's moving across the sky, the house isn't going to block it or anything? No, it'll pick up sun probably from about 11 to about 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Yes, I like that. I like that. And and my mother-in-law, she the house that she inherited, she had some uh, blueberry bushes growing wild. I mean, I'm sure at one point they were put there on purpose, but they were kind of at the edge of the, the yard as well, you know, kind of an understory almost to some trees at the periphery of the property. And they were just so abundant. I mean, they grew so tall. They were over her head. The birds got their fair share. She got her fair share. So I think you're you're going to be fine to do that. Um, what grows best? You're in Lawrenceville, so you're in Metro Atlanta. What grows best is the rabbit eye variety. So that's what okay. you're going to want to look for. And you need two different types. Um, you have to have two different varieties of rabbit eye for the cross-pollination. So when you're looking at the labels, you may see something like, I think I've got uh, Climax and Tift Blue, but you'll see the two different names, and that's definitely what you have to have to have them pollinate one another. So don't just get okay. all you know, Brightwell or all Climax or whatever, that's not going to really do you any good. And I mean, why not do blueberries? A, you get the yield, you get the crop. They're so easy. They're they're pretty resistant to insects and disease for the most part, as long as they're in the right spot. So they don't require any spraying or anything like that. So yeah, now would be a great time to go ahead and do that, Fred. Okay. Get them in the ground now or? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, you know, dig the hole wider than you do deep. Um, and as far down in the pot that they are in the nursery, that's, you know, the soil level height that you want to put them in the ground, no deeper. Um, and I would say get a soil test, but with you planting around those pine trees, I think it's going to be fine. Um, so I wouldn't even do that. And honestly, I mean, there are like amendments like barks and things that you can put into the hole, but I have mine potted on the deck and have for four or five years I didn't do a thing. I just I just bought garden soil, and they've been happy for so long. So I think you're going to be just fine. Don't worry about any amendments or anything like that. Um, and you're I ready want, to go. I want to do about six of them. How far spaced out should they be? Ultimately, I think they probably need to be uh, at least three or four feet apart. Oh, okay. I yeah, they, they need to be pretty far. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be small now, but they're they're going to get huge. And then you're going to want to... You know, keep up with the pruning so that the branches aren't crossing later on and that sunlight can, you know, get through there and, and allow it to be a little open to get the sunlight in there. So you can even prune them a little bit as you as you put them into the ground just to make sure, like I said, there's no crossover branches or anything. But when you get them from the nursery, they should be in pretty good shape. So just go straight for rabbit eye and get, you know, different varieties. I will do it. All right. Oh, I can't wait. Check back in with me maybe in, you know, June or July and let me know how that's working out. I would love that. I will. Thank you very All much. Right. Thanks, Fred. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. I right. appreciate the call. 404-872-0750. We're going to talk to David in California. Good morning, David. Oh, morning, Ashley. Yeah, I um, I, I was talking to your screener about the purpose of my call. I was, uh, I'm was i interested in gardening, and uh, but I live in an apartment. And uh, so someday I'm going to call your show and ask you what uh, if somebody was up in an apartment and they had a good sunny window, could they grow something just for the seed? 
and then, you know, maybe some ideas on what that is. But what I called for today was about victory gardens. Oh, yeah. You remember in, uh, well, you probably don't remember because I don't either. <laughs> uh, but in World War II, during the war, they urged everybody to grow a garden in there, you know, for food especially. And, and so every house was encouraged to grow a garden. So now in COVID, if everybody is pretty well stuck at home, if you don't want to spread the disease, you're gonna, you should stick around at home, right? So something, well, it's a wonderful thing to do, get stuck in the garden. And, uh, and so I'm wondering whether or not we could, like this next stimulus bill, get uh, victory gardens uh, built into the stimulus bill. You know, and I love that. And I know that the extension agents here in Georgia are working very, very hard. I wouldn't say scrambling, but they are working hard to kind of reinvent how community gardens are going to look because those are more important now than ever for sure. But yeah, just being self-reliant. We talked about this on the show last March, <laughs> right as I began a radio show, uh, a pandemic started. So we kind of had to re you know come at the table again and 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 kind of reinvent how we were going to do the show but yeah last march just re-inspiring the idea of victory gardens boosting morale like you said folks are stuck at home so something to give them to look forward to something to work on and keep themselves busy and just to educate people on how to supplement their own family's food supply right because that's about the time we were starting to experience the shortage at the grocery stores. People were not only making the run on the paper products and the meat, but on vegetables too. Um, And some people couldn't afford fresh vegetables. So that was a problem. So knowing how to be self-reliant and all of that. So Victory Gardens are an awesome idea. That was the campaign back during World Wars One and Two. Uncle Sam saying, hey, garden to cut food costs. You know, that way you're you're self-reliant. We're not having to spend as much money to make sure everyone's fed. And think of the costs. Too. I mean, the cost of transportation and what it costs and, and pesticides and all of the preservatives and things to keep fruits fresh from where they come from, whether it's Florida or wherever, whatever parts of the country sh- being shipped and transported to where they ultimately end up in your grocery store, keeping them fresh and just getting them transported. So I love that idea, David. I'm really glad you called about it, too. Um, I met someone last summer, Latron Price, who I am definitely going to be having on the show Um, has gotten grants from the USDA and all of that looking out for black farmers as well when the pandemic started and making sure that all farmers really were able to sustain themselves through all of this. But he's done some work with a food bank, and when they were giving out food at the Georgia World Congress Center, giving out boxes of fruits and vegetables to those who were really in need when we were all kind of hurting back in the summertime. So that's definitely an interview I want to share with all of you, just because you have to think about that. You go into the grocery store, and you get your tomatoes, you get your broccoli, and you're out of there. But do you really think about where it comes from. And then do you think about, well, the waste, you know, what, what all's thrown away, what all has to be wasted that could be given to others. So Latron Price was a fascinating person for me to speak to um, kind of off the air over the summertime, but reinvigorating that, uh, reinvigorating that idea of home gardening and victory gardens. Latron's going to be an amazing person for all of you to hear from. So I really appreciate the call, David. Always good to hear from you. And we will, we will talk about a sunny window and what you can do. I got a lot of ideas, so call back. Up next in my county, Cherokee County, is Charles. Good morning, Charles. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. Good morning. So what's going on up there? Am I missing anything? I'm, I'm headed that way in about an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, just a little gray again. Uh, looks like it was just a winter day. Right, right. All right. Well, what can I do for you? I have a lacy tree that's been on a covered deck for several years. 
it's got so large now that I've got to get it off my deck. And I was wondering about moving this to an outdoor plant, if it will survive in our climate, and uh, how to trans- make that transition to get it outside. And now, when you say lacy tree, are we talking about like that philodendron that has the really like long finger-like uh, leaves on it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, I was making sure we weren't talking about Swiss cheese plant. That's kind of that's a monstera too that some people call lacy because it's got the holes in the leaves. So you have a philodendron. How big is it? It's uh, the trunk of the tree is probably four, four and a half inches, and it's probably seven feet tall. How old is that thing? Uh, it was brought to us by a family member almost dead. So we've been nurturing it along for probably the last uh, 12 years, I guess. Good maybe for 15. you guys. That's great. That's great. All right. So kind of how to transition it. Um, from inside to outside or from like the deck into the ground? What are, I'm sorry, I missed that part. I was so amazed that you yeah, have something that large. Yeah, it's been on a covered deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we won't, I just need to get it. I, I don't have room for it on my deck anymore. So I was, I was wondering about just moving it outside. Uh, we have some uh, uh, a very heavily wooded area. I know this plant probably likes a uh, shade type area. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, just wondering about if it would be possible to just stick it in the ground out there. Hope it would uh, be okay. Yeah, and and we've definitely got to wait, you know, until the chance of any freezes, um, until that has run its course, because that is that is susceptible to a freeze for sure. And what I would do too, I know the pot is so large for that. Do you have it on one of those like uh, cast iron or wrought iron kind of little trays with the wheels? Because if you're going to be going in and out, those things are so helpful. Yeah, yes, we do have it on a in a big uh, uh, pot with uh, casters on the bottom, uh, with a platform with with casters. That is nice. That is nice. So yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely still wait a few more months. I know it's probably crowding in the spot that you've got, but wait a couple more months. I wouldn't feel that it's really safe to put out just yet. Um, yeah, split leaf philodendron. My God, those are so so beautiful. Um, and everything you've been doing. I mean, you've been doing perfectly to keep that going for 12 years and you know starting to think about too checking to see if it's root bound repotting that if necessary if that that's going to be uh, a tall order for sure but wait a few months Charles definitely start to I, I kind of think of seedlings in the same terms when you're when you're doing seedlings inside and you start to move them outside to kind of get them used to the sunlight again it's called hardening off um, and I know this is a well-established houseplant, but kind of that same process of just letting it get a little bit of sunlight at a time so that the leaves don't burn, so that it doesn't suffer from heat stress or anything like that. Wait a few more months. Be listening to uh, Kirk Mellish when we're past the chance of, you know, overnight freezes and things like that. But uh, definitely not direct sun, but that thing's going to be happy if you can, you know, keep it in like an indirect sunlight kind of situation i know it's getting really large and then just being aware of the cold nights or the really rainy days or something bringing it in and out on those casters i think that's great thank you so much for the call rick and cobb county uh centipede grass is dormant can you use image on dandelion so we'll talk about weed control right after the break we're going to check out uh traffic and weather we'll be back to green and growing i'm ashley frasca on wsb Welcome back. 38 degrees. Why does my my 
thermometer in the studio is going between 34 and 38. That's that's a little bit of a difference. That's a four degree difference. So I'm going to go with 38, I think. 38 degrees on Peachtree Street. You're going to wake up to uh, decreasing clouds. That's the good news. It's going to be mostly sunny today and tomorrow. Today, a high of 53. Tomorrow, a high of 52. And the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. And then Kirk Mellish telling us rain may be in the forecast on Monday. Going to talk to Rick in Cobb County in just a minute. But first, we'll do this. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, number one, I'm going to start from the bottom and work up. We talked last week about uh, protecting outdoor plants from the freeze and sheltering them. Use a frost cloth. That's a good option. That's something you're probably going to want to do tonight. Have it ready to pull across the plants you know to be tender in the cold weather. And like I just advised uh, Charles, I wouldn't bring that philodendron, that lacy tree out just yet. But, uh, you know, I I had another note on that just because I love those so much. Houseplants, too, not just the philodendron, the lacy tree he was calling about, but houseplants... They really correct when something's wrong and you discover it and you write that wrong, they turn around really quickly. So it really makes you feel a little bit better that you're not going to do something totally fatal. Um, and like I was telling Charles, they, they benefit, benefit from outdoor light, uh, brighter light, but indirect sun. So think about that as you are starting to figure where you're going to move these houseplants when you're able to bring things outside. But yes, not yet, not yet. Uh, Number two, fertilize. You can feed the pansies and other winter annuals with a water-soluble plant food right now. Every time you water them, that's not too much. And apply liquid root stimulator to anything that's newly transplanted, whether it's trees or shrubs. We want to get the roots in really, really good health over these next few months before the heat and the stress Uh, comes upon those things. And number three, it's necessary to prune grapevines every year. Pruning should occur later in the dormant season, and that typically spans from November to about March or April, and you definitely want to do all of that, finish it before bud break. So, yes, as I promised, up next, calling from Cobb County is Rick. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. I have a, a centipede lawn, which is totally dormant, but I also have a, a huge crop of dandelions, which are cold weather doesn't seem to bother them at all. And uh, I was wondering if at this time, would it be stressful to the dormant centipede if I treated those dandelions with something like image or spectricide or something like that, to, to you know, that you can normally look, use on a centipede yard, but I was just worried about them being, you know, in a dormant state. Right. So, yes, I'm I'm glad your call gave me some time to look at the label. I always want to read the labels on these products before I advise you one way or the other. So Rick's talking about image for nutsedge. That does treat summer and winter weeds. However, when you read the fine print of the label, you know, you, you go through there and it's like, oh, yeah, it's good on everything. It's good on Bermuda, Centipede, uh, Zoysia Lawn, all of that stuff. It could injure tall fescue. Um, But then at the very bottom of all of the application instructions, it says do not apply during the cooler winter months when the turf and the weeds are not actively growing. Do not apply just prior to or during transition of it browning Mm -hmm. up either. So, yes, I would I would not do that now. Manual removal would be my best recommendation for you. And I know that sounds (laughs) terrible and tedious and awful. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I know you, you spend a good bit on your centipede lawn, so we don't want to risk that. But once everything starts to green up and you can get a little more manageable control of the summer weeds, that would be when I would wait to use the image. Um, and if there's another product out there that someone can recommend for Rick, uh, Amazequin is the active ingredient in image, um, hence the name. 
So that's not, you know, going to be like a glyphosate that's going to be all-encompassing, damaging. You know, I mean, it is it is more of a selective herbicide. But, yeah, if someone has a better recommendation, call in because Rick's still going to be listening. So, Rick, I'm sorry to tell you that, um, but I'm glad you have Image Handy because otherwise it's definitely a very good product. And, you know, I mean, it's going to cause the weeds to yellow and then the complete kill can sometimes take about three to five weeks, but you definitely see the slow process there. Yeah. Well, if I if I wanted to use the image or or spectrocyte, I needed to wait until the until the centipede is like what seventy five percent green. Yeah, or I would say green. more more than half. Yeah, more more than half greened up for sure. Yeah, just to make sure that that's safe. Or otherwise, just go out with my <clears throat> little trowel and yeah, pop them right white. out. <laughs> I know, I know. You're you're gonna be hating me as you're kneeling over in the yard doing that. But, I mean, just get a little bit at a time. Every time you take the trash can up, every time you go to check the mail, just pop a few out, and you may uh, you may get ahead of it quicker than you think. <laughs> okay, well, thanks. Yeah, very, very uh, glad you called, and I'm glad we looked at the label. So looking at that here together, um, image for nutsedge. Um, it, it is good on all grasses. Like I said, it's possible to injure tall fescue, but for best results, do not mow immediately before or after the application. Um, never for use on newly planted or plugged, uh, anything that's been overseeded, like ryegrass or anything like that. So that's why the labels are so important because you're you're spending all this money and all this time on your lawn, and then just one wrong use or incorrect use of a product. Um, is just going to defeat everything that you've done. So, so I'm really glad that Rick was thinking about that, and in the meantime, looking at the dandelions and not real happy about them. But yeah, just read the label direction, and you know, you're standing there in the big box stores and the nurseries. Just you got a bottle in your hand, you could be in that aisle for 20 minutes as you're reading the labels. But that is just always very, very well recommended by all of us. I want to make sure, and county extension agents would tell you the same. Hey, we did talk about that earlier in the show. Um, all of the good work and the online webinars and the virtual seminars that uh, the Extension office is offering. And those are great. So go to extension.uga.edu to learn a little bit more. If you're just sitting around at lunchtime one day, they may be offering an online course to you that is free. So when you go to their website, the University of Georgia Extension website there, you can uh, click on calendar and see the, the classes that they're offering and also get more information about soil testing. I wanted to talk about that, but I don't know that we'll have the time um, we'll talk about it next week. That'll be in my top three things, the list of things for you to do, because I want to get a little more in depth now is a good time to be testing your soil. And I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you how to go about doing that. Most of you have never done that. And it's definitely going to be beneficial to at least do it once every uh, five to eight years or so. So we'll be back. Got to take a break. My interview with 15 year old Ryan Tedeschi of Smyrna, a houseplant enthusiast coming up. You don't want to miss it. I'll be right back on Green and Growing. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.